Welcome back to My Immune System Hates Me. I'm Chelsea, and today I'm speaking with Stephanie, a rheumatoid arthritis coach. As a nurse practitioner with RA, she has a special skill set to help autoimmune sufferers live their best life. Then stay tuned to the end for another update on my rheumatoid arthritis. Let's get to it. Here's Stephanie. Hi, Stephanie. Thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. How are you? I'm good, Chelsea. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Before we start talking about your medical history, tell us a bit about yourself. My name is Stephanie, and I'm the rheumatoid arthritis coach. So I was diagnosed with RA in officially in 2015. Um, it was a rough road getting there, but I ended up getting there. And as I share everywhere, my journey to diagnosis was so challenging and I'm also a family nurse practitioner, even after my diagnosis with all of my medical knowledge and medical resources, I still felt completely devastated. Mm. And I decided that day that not only was I not going to let RA ruin my life, but I was going to help other people. Awesome. Well, tell, tell us how that started. What happened? Sure. So looking back, you know, hindsight's always 2020, right? Mm-hmm. So looking back, I, I can always remember a time when some small joint of some sort hurt, even as a teenager, um, it got really bad though, after the pregnancy and birth of my first son, mm. uh, we came home from the hospital and I couldn't even carry him. I couldn't even hold the bottles. Oh. Um, I was really struggling to breastfeed because I couldn't, I couldn't use my left thumb at all. Hmm. And I, I just had so much pain and so much swelling. It started in my hands. And um, basically, I, I just couldn't care for my newborn baby. And that's when I started exploring. And as at the time, I was practicing as a family nurse practitioner. And I saw countless medical professionals, very similar to you, actually, in your story. Mm. And first, everybody thought it was postpartum depression. Oh, interesting. Yeah, everybody thought, oh, it's it's postpartum depression. Um, and then it was the weight gain. Everybody blamed the weight gain from the pregnancy. Oh, it's the swelling from the pregnancy. Hmm. And then, you know, a year went by and it just didn't get better. So I, I had seen multiple people and I actually ended up ordering my own lab work. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then I, I went and had it done and I brought it back into my primary and I said, Hey, look, look what I found. And she was shocked. Um, I was shocked. <laughs> so Huh. And then, um, you know how it goes with the referral. Several months later, I saw a rheumatologist and she confirmed the diagnosis. And um, yeah. Were you only able to get your own blood tests because you're a nurse practitioner? Or is that something like an ordinary person can do? No, I. it's only because I do practice medicine and it's actually frowned upon. You're, we're really not supposed to treat ourselves, <laughs> right? But uh-huh. I was so frustrated and I felt like, I had told so many people and asked so many people and I don't even want to say that they weren't listening because I didn't mm. have no, nobody dismissed me. You know, you hear on social media all the time about gaslighting and nobody ever did that to me. Everybody along my journey was kind and compassionate and listen. Mm-hmm. I'm not totally sure that I was completely clear in communicating. If anybody listening has ever had a baby, I mean, those first few months, you can't even find yourself out of a paper bag for a while, you know? So, (laughs) so I'm not sure if, right. So I don't blame anybody, but I think one day I just had an epiphany and I thought, I'm just going to do this. And Hmm. I did. And I was positive. (laughs) Did you suspect it was RA all along or did you really have no idea until those blood test results came back? 
Um, I think there was a little bit of suspicion. There's definitely autoimmune diseases in my family. Both my mother and my sisters have autoimmune diseases. Oh, wow. So I think there was always underlying suspicion, but as you know, you know, thumbs are, we use our thumbs so much and we, you know, we're on our phone and Mm -hmm. feeding a baby. I think I really just thought it was an overuse injury. Interesting. No, I I don't think I was mentally quite there yet. (laughs) (laughs) So it was a real good shock when you got those results back. You're like, oh, cool. It's worse. It's worse than I thought it was. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, So then once you were in with a rheumatologist, finally, what was the treatment plan for you? So of course the first go-to, um, as we all know, is usually sulfasalazine, Plaquenil, or even methotrexate. Mm -hmm. And of course, with the diagnosis of RA always comes into huge decisions about future pregnancies, right? Because all of the medications, a lot of the medications are contraindicated in pregnancy. So The first day, not only are you diagnosed with RA, but we knew we wanted a second child. Mm. So I had to make really hard decisions. So I was offered the usual orals, um, which I tried. I I started with Plaquenil um, and I couldn't tolerate the medication. I had really bad side effects to it. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Which isn't common. Actually, most people tolerate that really well. What were the side effects of it? Um, Well, I actually lost a very significant amount of hair. which is very rare. And if anybody's listening, I don't want you to panic, but, um, (laughs) so this was almost seven years ago now. And Mm -hmm. actually I can, I know our listeners can't see, but I can show you the hair growth from what I lost compared to, Oh, wow. I mean, I, I lost so much hair. Um, I think a lot of it was postpartum too, Mm -hmm. but I mean, I had like a strip of like a headband of balding, And so we thought it was from the medication and we stopped it. Mm -hmm. And then I was offered other medications and it's very difficult. You know, it's difficult to make decisions about childbearing and to start meds, to wait for meds. Mm -hmm. So from there, we just decided to manage with ibuprofen and prednisone as needed. Oh, wow. Until we did have our second child. Mm -hmm. It was a lot. And then right after that first appointment, I, I was very, very sad. I got in my car, I cried, but I would say probably within just a few hours, I was already signed up with the Arthritis Foundation to volunteer. Wow. Yeah. And I was, I was already on the phone with people trying to make connections to offer support. I would say almost immediately, I just thought this should never happen to anybody. Mm-hmm. So now you're an RA coach. What's that? Tell me about that. I am. So I'm the rheumatoid arthritis coach, a little plug rheumatoid arthritis coach.com. <laughs> Uh, So I have, I offer coaching, weekly coaching for people with rheumatoid arthritis, other arthritis diagnoses, as well as other autoimmune diseases. Mm. So I do work with people with Sjogren's, lupus, and the like. Um, So what we do is I do have a 12-week program, um, which I am so proud of. I wrote myself, um, and I've been developing it for several years. We meet every week, and we go through everything from lifestyle, nutrition, mindset work, education on the diagnosis, medication, education. Mm. And it's, it's been so valuable to every single client that I've helped. 
And it, it's yeah. been so much more rewarding than I ever even expected. Yeah. I'm glad that you mentioned like the medication education, because it, it's true. You're in your office. Like for me, I was in the office for my very first appointment and I'm hearing all these things about like what this disease could turn into. And I have to go get all these images done and all this kind of stuff. And then she's like, also contemplate these different medications, come back in a week or two and let me know what you've decided. And like, I, I still don't even really understand what RA is. And now I have to figure out which medication it is. There's so much to consider. So um, I think that's really great that you also include that in your program. So uh, how long have you been doing this coaching then? So first I started as a volunteer with the arthritis foundation mm-hmm. and I had a monthly support group, which I hosted mm. and it was amazing. It was so much fun. And we would have the most amazing, I called them adventures because every month, I would organize something, whether it was goat yoga, or (laughs) we did a Reiki session once we did a, this lovely woman that lives across town, did an autoimmune cooking class in her own kitchen. We all went to her home. Yeah. And then, um, of course we would have educational presentations. So I would have physicians or other professionals come and do for lack of a better word, lectures, And then of course we would have just fun things too. Like we would just meet at, you know, a local restaurant and Mm -hmm. hang out. And it was so rewarding and so wonderful to not only, I was able to help others and provide resources and education and support, but I also received the support and friendship that I needed at the time. Yeah. And so I, I just loved doing it. And so I would say about two years into that support group, I started coaching one-on-one. Mm-hmm. And of course I started very informally, you know, the same as a personal trainer or a dietitian. you know, you start with some friends, some family, mm-hmm. and then I launched my official business last summer. So actually last May. So it's mm. just about a year. I went international. Oh, what other countries? Everywhere. I've, I've had clients from all over the world. It's, it's been really amazing. Wow. Yeah. It's so neat to talk to people from Australia, India, the UK, and you know, things are, are very different there, but in the end, they're really not that different. Mm. So it's very neat to connect with people that you know, sometimes we feel like they're so different and in the end, they're really not. Yeah, absolutely. I bet your schedule is out of control though. You have to work with different time zones. <laughs> the time, do- they do get a little tricky, Yeah, but we figure it out. How do you feel? I mean, obviously as a nurse practitioner, you do have a lot of like medical background. How do you feel it's helped you as far as starting this business? So I feel that it helps me because as you know, there's a lot of coaches out there, right? There's a lot Mm -hmm. of self-made coaches. There's a lot of people with programs and there's a lot of people selling all sorts of stuff for people with RA. Mm -hmm. And I feel like as a nurse practitioner, I'm very credible. I'm very qualified. And I think my medical background can really support a lot of what I recommend and what I walk people through. It's also really valuable because I'm able to not only coach them through their struggles, but the education aspect is great, but also I can usually help people decipher their medical records. Oh, So as a coach, I don't diagnose or treat, but my clients have really benefited from sending me their medical records. And then I can go through them even line by line and explain, you know, this lab work means this, Mm. and these are your trends. And oh, that's really not significant, or this is very significant. And this is why and um, clients that I've been working with really appreciate that. Because 
as you said, they, they don't even know what rheumatoid arthritis is yet. Yeah. Let alone what all the labs mean, what all the imaging means, the medications Mm -hmm. it's neat. Or sometimes, you know, they'll come to me just with just worry, right? Oh, my doctor wants to escalate my medication to this alternative. What do you think? And I can give them a, an honest, educated medical opinion. Mm -hmm. So I think it's very valuable that I'm a nurse practitioner. Yeah. Do you have any just general advice for people who are suffering with either RA or other autoimmune conditions? I do. I have a lot of advice. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, that's why I'm a coach. (laughs) Yes. I have a lot to offer. So I always share my story. So when I first started as a nurse practitioner, I was in critical care. I was in the ICU and I was in a, a very busy critical care group. And, you know, some listeners have a lot of medical experience, some don't, but we did a lot of procedures in this group I was in. We did a lot of IVs, big IVs, like central lines. We intubated chest tubes, a lot of stuff that you use your hands for. And it was very, very challenging to continue with not only the pace. So we worked seven days on seven days off. So I would work days, nights, weekends, holidays, but also the physical demands of the job, you know, everything's urgent. You're not always ergonomically appropriate, right? You're always twisting, funny, bending, funny, lifting. And, um, as much as I really loved that job and that field, it was all I had known for my entire career. I had to make a decision, um, probably about a year into my diagnosis to, to change fields. Mm -hmm. And I took this huge leap And it was very, very scary. And at the time I was terrified. I I thought I could never have a life outside of critical care. You know, I've already invested so many years into this field. This is where my expertise is. But once I switched, it was definitely a learning curve, but um, I'm so glad that I did because I was able to spare my joints to have a better schedule, a less stressful, less demanding job. And overall, it really improved my health. Mm. So my first advice is always if what you're doing right now doesn't work, it's okay to make a big change. Mm -hmm. And for some people that's changing careers completely. For some people that's changing just a little bit of what they do day to day. For some people, it's even filing disability. So everybody's a little bit different, but I say, if, if what you're doing now isn't working, it's okay to make a big change. And I tell everybody, you can always go back. Right. You know, you can always go back to whatever you're doing. You can always step out, take a break and go back, especially women. Women do this all the time in the workforce. They step out, have a baby, go back. Yeah. So that's my first thing is if what you're doing isn't working or is making it worse, do something to change that. And it's really scary, but (laughs) you can do it. (laughs) Yeah. My other big tip of advice that I tell everybody is no one should ever medication shame. And if you haven't heard that term before, It's when we judge people for, or ourselves, we judge other people or ourselves for taking medications, whether it's DMARDs, biologics, ibuprofen, prednisone, or even opioids, right? Everybody has this huge stigma around opioids now, but remember that your medications that are prescribed for you are there to help you. They're tools in your toolbox. So if you were a carpenter, you would use your hammer. You know, if you were a plumber, you would have your plunger. So they're just your tools. And I I think it's really important that we stop medication shaming people. So that's the big thing. And if you need it, you should take it. Yeah. I can't even tell you how many times people tell me like, you know, you should really just change your diet or you should eat more of this or less of this. And like, no, I'm fine with my medication. It actually has worked wonders. So I'm gonna keep taking it. 
<laughs> awesome. So where can people find you if they want to reach out or if they want to be a client of yours, where can they find you? So my website is rheumatoidarthritiscoach.com. There is a way to contact me right on the website. If you're not ready to talk to me directly, I do have a free weekly newsletter, which is really great. I write it myself. It goes out every Thursday and you can sign up right on the website. Um, I'm also on social media. Uh, Instagram is rheumatoid arthritis coach and Facebook is Stephanie with an F rheumatoid arthritis coach is the last name. Awesome. I will uh, link to all of those in the show notes. So if you're listening and you want to go visit those sites, just click the links in the show notes. Thanks so much for chatting with me today, Stephanie. I really appreciate it. Sure. It was lovely. Thank you for your time. Bye Chelsea. Bye. Make sure you check the show notes. I've included links for all the different ways you can get in contact with Stephanie if you've got questions or if you'd like some coaching from her. While we're on the subject of RA, I thought I'd fill you in on a little update about my condition. But first, let me answer a couple questions. So at the beginning of March, I did an episode on my experience with the COVID-19 vaccine and then let you all know that my RA was in remission. I got a couple questions from listeners about how I was able to get into remission, so let me explain it better. Basically, it was all thanks to my meds. As you know, my roomie and I decided sulfasalazine was the best option for me, but because it takes a few weeks for it to take effect, I took prednisone with it. As I continued the sulfasalazine and my blood tests reflected a lower inflammation level, I started weaning off the prednisone. After four months, I was done with the steroids and the sulfasalazine was doing its job suppressing my immune system. I was no longer experiencing any joint inflammation, therefore I was in remission. As I'm sure you're aware, remission doesn't mean cured. RA isn't curable. My roomie explained to me when I was first diagnosed that our goal is to lessen the severity and consistency of the flares, and that's exactly what we managed to do. Unfortunately, remission doesn't last forever. Three weeks ago, it all started up again. Once again, the pain and stiffness started in my jaw. The next day, my left hand. The day after that, my ankle. The day after that, my right hand. Luckily, I already had a check-in scheduled with my roomie, so I wasn't struggling through for too long. At my appointment, my hand was swollen, which always feels validating. So many times I would tell people I'm in pain and since they couldn't see it, they would dismiss it as a lesser issue. Going in with visible swelling always makes me feel more confident that I'll be heard, though Dr. Freeman has never doubted me. <laughs> she decided the right plan of action for now was to up my sulfasalazine dosage and add an anti-inflammatory as needed. I'm now up to 3,000 milligrams of sulfasalazine a day. I am not a good pill taker, and these things are huge, so though I know it's helping me, I truly hate all the pills I have to take. I choke on them constantly and have to give myself a pep talk at every dose. Anyway, that's a minor complaint. I just had to get it off my chest. Uh, she was also very concerned that my jaw pain is back and that the retainer I've had for four months hasn't improved my condition. She ordered an MRI of my jaw to check for inflammation. If there is in fact still inflammation in my jaw, she said we'll have to switch to a more aggressive treatment. Now I'm just waiting for the MRI to be approved by my insurance, and once that's done, I'll have results and I'll let it, you guys know. If you don't want to wait for another update episode, make sure you follow my immune system pod on Instagram because I post updates much more quickly on there. 
If you have any questions for me, please reach out. I've got a couple email chains going with listeners and would love to hear from you. You can email me at myimmunesystempod at gmail.com. If you find these updates helpful, let me know by rating and reviewing the show. And a quick disclaimer before we go, any information discussed in this podcast is strictly my opinion and those of my guests and are for informational purposes only. We are speaking from our personal experiences and you should always consult with your doctor or medical team. Talk to y'all later. Bye.